Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. The show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, the Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by Prosperitas, an animated video agency that can help you bring your company's ideas, values, products, and messages to life with the power of video storytelling. Whether you strive to win more customers, engage, or educate your audience, Prosperitas will craft each video specifically targeted to fit your brand and vision. Visit prosperitasagency.com today to learn more. That's P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-T-A-S agency.com to find out how Prosperitas can create the best videos your company has ever had. My guest today is Lana Elko. Lana specializes in working with prominent visionary women and leading women entrepreneurs on their most intimate relationships and deeply private areas of life. Her focus is guiding her clients into the deepest level of intimacy and transforming their intimate relationships into a work of art. Lana believes that our intimate relationships are overdue for transformation. Many modern women don't feel fulfilled with old, outdated relationship containers anymore. There's still a lot of social and cultural conditioning in the area of intimacy and relationships that creates walls of separation between the feminine and masculine. Ukrainian-born, Lana followed her intuition and moved to California, where she met her sole partner and started her life from scratch. Lana has a master's degree in social and political sciences, business administration, studied transpersonal psychology, and is certified with Groff Transpersonal Training, trained in NBC nonviolent communication, ZEG psychodrama, intimacy, and tantra. She's been working with cross-cultural couples and women from all over the world on their relationships for more than 12 years and her motto is never stop seeking what seems unobtainable. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lana, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pacifico. So excited to be here with you. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. So to start off, what inspired you to embrace relationships as a career path? This is a great question. It actually started before I realized that it was my sole purpose and because I was always, since like very early years of my life, I was always wondering why our relationship is so like inauthentic, why we're embarrassed to say the truth about how we feel about each other and why a most beautiful feeling and connection of love can feel awkward in, in our relationships. And then when I became a young adult, I wanted to experience this deepest level of connection with the feminine, masculine, and all this beautiful energy, right? This very intense, beautiful energy of connection. 
And it was not easy for me. I was pretty awkward teenager and I was very shy and I really wanted to open up, but I didn't know how to connect. So this is a, the story <laughs> at the very beginning. And then actually I, my very first business was opening my own online dating agency, which at that time it was one of the first online dating agencies. Now it's very common, but at the time it was something new. So that was really successful business for me. I started it like even before I was 20 years old and I helped uh, couples to connect and I helped cross-cultural couples to build a relationship because there is also a certain barrier between cultures, be between different belief systems, language. I was good with my English at the time, I was in Ukraine. So that is the beginning of my career, basically. And then later on, I had different businesses. I was always an entrepreneur. I was always like in my creative flow. I had a few different successful businesses in Ukraine and Mediterranean and Europe. And at some point I started to question, what is my sole purpose? What, why I'm here? What is my deepest gift? And this is how I rediscovered this relationship work and build this coaching business. There is a story behind it as well. When I had my breathwork session and it was revealed to me in this expanded states, in expanded vision. And I also received the message to move to California, start a new life. And this is what I did at the time. And so what was that like immigrating to the United States? It was not easy. <laughs> At the beginning, I was going back and forth um, between Ukraine and United States. My ex-husband, so I was married before. It's a long story, but my ex-husband worked in World Bank in Washington, D.C. So I spent time there. Then I went back to Ukraine. And my daughter was born in Ukraine, actually. And at some point when I went through this, you know, sole purpose crisis, <laughs> I made a decision to move to California. And this is when, you know, a completely new chapter of my life started. And this is when I started to live on purpose. Yeah, it was the beginning. It was... Uh, it was challenging, but it was at the same time, it was exciting because everything was new and it was an adventure and I have this draw to, to explore, to discover and to challenge my limits. So for me, it's perfect. I'm very comfortable with stepping into unknown and starting something new and, you know, just this exploration, pioneering is something that I'm always drawn to. Oh, I love that. So talk to me about this concept of relationship containers. I had never heard this before until I had met you. And I, I find it really a fascinating framework to view things from. Well, yeah, I totally brought it into life because I haven't heard this particular approach, a particular angle either. Let me share how it works. We Let's say we have this beautiful connection. We have this beautiful, we're drawn to each other. There's beautiful energy. People are attracted to each other on different levels, not just like sexual attraction, but also on the level of the heart, the soul, the personality. And this is very fresh and wild and beautiful energy, right? And this is what makes us feel alive. And this is what gives us inspiration. And, and usually what we do with it, we put this beautiful, wild, creative energy between feminine and masculine into a very narrow and very universal container, which actually was created thousands and thousands of years ago. Like 
marriage and its equivalent. So we should basically follow the same steps. Like everyone follows the same steps when they're in this romantic relationship with each other. Right? It's like dating, getting to know each other, dating. And then there is a period of going deeper with that and then get, getting engaged and then getting married. And there is this the same scenario is being replayed over and over again. And then there are certain expectations that we absorb without bringing education there is not much education by the way about how it really works and we don't really teach it at school or even in college so we figure it out on our own based on our own experience based on the, whatever is available information like movies uh, magazines uh, whatever documentary other people whatever we observe and we just learn to navigate it on our own and we take these patterns and just follow them because we believe this is how it works Works and this is what we should do. This is how it works. So what I discovered that many people, especially creative people, like I work with lots of women entrepreneurs and like really powerful visionary women, uh, I discovered and I feel I am like that as myself. So I discovered that this container just too universal, too confusing, and too it can be very uh, too suffocating for people like me, like us, it's not customized. There are so many different personalities. There are so different like archetypes, different gifts. Uh, we're wired differently. We have different needs and desires. And we're just trying to squeeze ourselves into this narrow universal container of marriage. And it's not about some people think, oh, she's against marriage. I'm not against it, but I just believe that it can be customized for each couple and new creative containers can be developed based on what works for us specifically. So basically this is in a nutshell, what this is what container relationship container is something that holds our relationship, right? Like a vessel and it's based on agreements, not assumptions. So we have to actually actively agree with our partner, what works for us and how we want to do this uh, together, right? And there are no right and wrong because whatever makes two people happy, nobody else's business. And we, we basically can create whatever we want. We just don't know. We don't question this. I, I say question the obvious to discover the miraculous. And soon we start, as soon as we start questioning this conditioned, old, outdated containers and start remove everything that is not aligned with who we are, this is, becomes really exciting and fun. And this is when people can create their own containers, like allow them to grow. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think like we've just seen a lot of that sort of naturally happening without people even totally understanding or taking the sort of big picture approach that you have to, to the relationship containers. Because you see much more people being like either polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous or various iterations of those kinds of outside of just hetero monogamy. It was really interesting. My first guest actually was an attorney. Her name is Elizabeth Yang. And she had been married and she and her she then got divorced and she and her ex-husband basically spent almost half a million dollars on lawyers to get divorced. And afterwards, she was just like, oh God, there's like gotta be a better way. And she actually <laughs> wrote she wrote a book uh, called Social Marriage. And it's essentially about how we actually don't need to get the state involved. You don't need to get everything else involved. Like you can just create agreements between two people that you can literally just say, you and another person are married. 
and that that be it. Like you don't have to actually combine all your assets. You don't have to entangle yourself with someone in a way that gets really messy if you do ever want to part ways in the future. Because one thing, great point she raised is that, yeah, everyone gets that you're like, when you're legally marrying, you're like joining your assets and all those things. But nobody ever really looks at those things nobody really mm-hmm. looks at the other person's bank accounts or balance sheet so to speak and so when it come time when it comes time for divorce that's often the first time that couples have really looked at the totality of everything that they both have or have created together and then it just gets really messy and super expensive to disentangle all of those things because the state makes it really complicated and often unnecessarily. There are certain things that are certainly trying to be, I don't know, paternalistic and look out for people's best interest. But at the same time, I know when I was in the military in North Carolina, you couldn't, you had to wait a year to get a divorce. You had to stay separated, but they didn't, the army didn't recognize like legal separation or anything like that. So you essentially had to be solo and celibate and couldn't see other people and there was just countless stories of in the military adultery is a crime right (laughs) it's incredibly hard to prove you basically need video evidence but at the same time like it does paint a picture and put a stain on certain people and so you'd often see a couple would become estranged the non-military spouse would start seeing someone else because they could And then the military spouse would start seeing someone else. And then the non-military spouse would go and basically narc on them to their superiors. And then they'd get kicked out of the military for adultery or for some other like standards unbecoming someone. And it's just like, what is going on here? Like, why can't we let consenting adults choose the ways that they want to be together and the ways that they want to break apart? Yeah, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that it, it's that bad in mili- military still. Wow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like why do we choose to sign up for that? We need to really be mindful of what we sign up for and understand everything that is included in this agreement. Because marriage is so universal, it's just being assumed that we merge our lives together completely and join all the, uh, merge all the assets that, uh, the way you describe was perfect and it doesn't really work for most people modern people because women became really powerful as well and many people women are successful and educated and take care of themselves they don't need really need that kind of old patriarchal protection anymore because we've got our rights and freedoms and marriage was much earlier than we became free and powerful <laughs> so i really it's not about like right and wrong if there can be couples who want that and they consciously choose that but i i know that most people don't question this container and they just like uh give in to whatever you know is being practiced in society and then another question i i agree with you like for me personally it's a little bit crazy that the government has to protect me <laughs> uh in case my partner, like the most intimate partner, the most uh, trusting person or trustworthy person in my life that I choose to be with, uh, that I want government to be protected (laughs) from that person. This just doesn't make any sense. And besides that, like now we have so many ways to create 
legal agreements or our own personal agreements if we trust each other enough and rely on that rather than this universal kind of container like all or nothing i usually uh, share with people because sometimes people get confused so what's the option so just like living together and not having any legal protection in case something happens blah 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 i like to share what is available as well so with my clients we go through what is possible what is available in, in the modern society and how we can navigate it together rather than just signing up for <laughs> something that everybody does because society does advertise like family and marriage the way it is and there are certain benefits right some people just say it's more beneficial to be married but then in if you decide to separate then it's really a heavy process to go through <laughs> very painful as well yeah it seems like we almost need like a la carte marriage right if you could look at all of the benefits that the government uses to incentivize marriage, right? Whether it's tax benefits or mm -hmm. hospital visitation benefits, things like that. What if you could just go and choose what you want? So if mm -hmm. it was like you're with someone and you're like, okay, we want hospital visitation rights with each other, which is certainly something like in the LGBTQ community was a huge struggle before gay marriage was before same sex marriage was put into place because you just there was no recognition so like your partner could get sick and be dying and it, i mean especially with the aids crisis is like extra horrible right like literally an epidemic that was largely affecting this population that then couldn't actually see their partners in the hospital in certain cases and and then especially something like now with the pandemic even if your kid was sick or something like that like not both parents couldn't even be in the room because they were worried about covid and stuff and you think about those kinds of issues existing previously for just same-sex couples and the like and i think it would behoove us to open up those options to a wider variety of people and arrangements and say, okay, yeah, we, we're going to keep our taxes separate, but we want all the other benefits or we want, we want the tax benefit, but we don't want these other benefits. So then people can actually pick and choose the tenets of the partnership that they actually want and that they can actually get legal protections for without having to go all the way through and be like, oh yeah, we're married. And so then we have to subject ourselves to the other nonsensical laws, whether it's waiting periods of California, it's six months to get a divorce, mm -hmm. Arizona, it's two months. It's, it's all over the place. And it's, what is the point of this? So Arizona's two months, which the sky has not fallen. People get mm -hmm. divorced in Arizona and go on and lead normal lives and find <laughs> happiness and whatever. Whereas what good is that six months doing What in California or that year doing in North Carolina? Who are those things actually for? Because I don't know any couple that would be like, yeah, if this goes south, I want to be trapped for a year, <laughs> right? That is insane. Obviously, like certain things, if it has to go through the court system, it's going to take a little while, but 60 days, is it's not even, you're going to be done with that 60 days before you're done with the court probably. Whereas a year, you're just going to be sitting around twiddling your thumbs. And especially if there's other forces at work, it's just going to be a really frustrating process. And it's let people go. What are we doing here? This is it's so insane. And, and I think there is definitely an element of misogyny to it and paternalism. But it's also just batshit crazy. Like, it's what are you doing? 
Why do we have to be? It's one thing to have legal marriage and grant rights, but why force some people like when it's over to just stick around in it for no reason, right? Mm -hmm. If if you're going to second guess it, okay, a couple months, sure. But also, what does the state care if people second guess it? If people get divorced and then remarried, Mm -hmm. why do they care? Why yes, are they trying to prevent personal. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this bonkers. is crazy. When you think about, when you start questioning, there's something the most normal stuff that we're doing. <laughs> it, it becomes a bit crazy. That's where I come out with this uh, statement, like question the obvious to discover the miraculous. And another piece that I wanted to share about relationship containers is how we, like you were mentioning, like uh, everything is so entangled. In, in the marriage container on it, even if it's equivalent let's say people not even officially married but they perform like they are ma- married so what happens like the, the beginning they have all this wild energy like the the sexuality the attraction is very wild energy and it cannot be really trapped or, or tamed so what we're trying to do is to put it in basically in in this cage and link everything together so all the responsibilities all these duties all this pressure of life all do everything everything together living together taking care of the finances together like spending all time and vacation like some kind of projection of what is right and wrong what is what is how we should feel how we should act and everything that is not like that is usually is being judged even if it's not our own perception of feeling it's because we assume this is what we should do <laughs> so this is what i also work with to really unlinked the um, untangle everything so we can choose what we want to be linked or or what we don't want because we also can have i call it like a network of um, complementary relationship then the support system that other people can be in relationship with that not necessarily polyamory (laughs) i'm just uh, talking about the more extensive support system where we can outsource certain things meet our needs somewhere else with somebody else who may be better match for what we specifically need like maybe some emotional support maybe our friend can provide us like to be more open-minded and be conscious about how we create this network of relationships so not to put all the pressure on our partner and not to expect that our partner is obliged to meet absolutely all of our needs this is another piece that uh, i really like to talk about uh, and i like to use metaphor this is what i'm excited to share with you for example if you buy a very expensive bottle of wine right so something that like really old really fine wine and you keep it for a special occasion you don't drink it in your pajamas on your couch from the bottle <laughs> you, you really prepare how mm-hmm. you're gonna use this bottle like how you're gonna taste this wine and who you want to share with and you know maybe create space and celebration time for this experience and then when we meet somebody that we really fall in love with somebody who means a lot to us who is so important to us who is the the beautiful soulmate and then we put them in this container where we like demand everything from them on the everyday level so much pressure so much shoots so much routine of course this energy is not gonna last we drain this connection would drain this energy just by creating so much pressure and putting it in this yeah universal container versus like to say okay i want to cultivate this energy i want to let it grow uh, and then I, I i want it uh, 
to last. So this is what I say. We, there is a way to completely reshape and transform this container so we can cultivate this energy. It doesn't need to be gone. Some people say, yeah, over time, we just love becomes more like cozy and warm and we're more like... Uh, best friends. This is beautiful. Some people really love this attraction and this powerful energy that we experienced at the beginning, and it doesn't need to be drained. If we align our containers, relationship containers, with the universal laws of energy, we don't need to sacrifice that exciting part of our relationship as well, like this powerful attraction, this powerful exchange. This is what I work with uh, women and couples on this one because it's like creating the sacred union. How can we create the container that holds the most beautiful sacred relationship? It doesn't mean, it mean that we don't do the casual things. It just means we navigate energy so it grows, but we don't drain it. Yeah, I think it's interesting because there's a lot of like other cultures and other languages where they have multiple words for friends and for to describe. Obviously, in, in English, like we've got acquaintance, we've got friend, and you've got boyfriend or girlfriend, fiance, and then spouse, essentially, I'd say. And then there's people who use stuff like partner or something, but it's basically getting at one of those. So we just have a handful but there's ones where there's 15 or 20. And so here mm -hmm. it tends, and the other thing here is you really just have a, a really sharp dichotomy because there's acquaintance is someone like, yeah, you like sort of know them, you know, of them more than you know them. Then there's like a friend, but those are both like platonic mm -hmm. and then everything else is romantic, but there's like, that's not all there is. What you're talking about really is similar to the concept of the work spouse, right? That's something that's come into vogue within the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years in the US, where it's like someone at work that you do rely on for that emotional support at the level that you rely on for your, you rely on your spouse for emotional support just in your normal life. And for a lot of people, it's almost like scandalous right that oh you could have a work wife or a work husband or something like that oh what is that taking away would your regular spouse be jealous or something and i think there's just like you talked about before there's just so much social and cultural conditioning mm -hmm. like okay and I, I think it's so much is, is still just puritanical, right? We're still living with the trauma of the pilgrims and the Puritans, mm -hmm. like showing up yeah. and being like, hey, this is how things are going to be. You're going to be in a monogamous heterosexual marriage, and this is the glory to God, and you can't do anything else. And it's like that still permeates our society to a large degree. Hell, we have non-heterosexual marriage within the last 10 years. And even someone is, that people thought was progressive, like Barack Obama, like he was not in favor of that when he started off. And we were just trying to, people were like, oh, civil union unions and people are just trying to come around to these other things which is interesting now to think about because back then it was like oh we need to fit everyone into this universal container that everyone can be on and then it's no why can't we just afford all the same rights to anyone for anything that they can define it in their own way and they get the same rights and they can call it whatever the hell they want and because now it is like it is a bit constricting when you do think about it especially with the legal ramifications of trying to dissolve a marriage but if but i still think so much cultural and social programming is imbued in that of okay you have an infinite number of platonic relationships 
you have a finite number of familial relationships, and then you have one romantic relationship. And anything outside of that is just antithetical to like the American way of life. And it's just, it's so myopic and there's just so much more, right? Like you can have deep, intimate friendships. Like you can express love to your friends, right? Like how many men actually tell their friends that they love them, Mm. especially their guy friends. Like that's, it's few and far between. And for a lot of people, like it's really awkward, but it's, are these like really the most intimate relationships that you have, like outside of your marriage? Like, why can't you? What is actually preventing you from telling more people in your life that you love them? What Mm. is actually preventing you from being more intimate and more open and more vulnerable in every relationship that you have? Now, certainly there's always going to be people like, yeah, those are acquaintances. They're, those are people you want to keep at an arm's length. But then mm-hmm. the other people in the, those really close friends that sort of just, oh, your spouse might, your spouse or girlfriend might be jealous or boyfriend might be jealous of them. But how could we actually make better cultural conditioning that jealousy is dissipated somewhat, right? Like how can we actually create healthy relationships where, yes, you're free to have friends of any sex or gender and any depth of relationship because putting all the pressure like you're alluding to putting all the pressure on a single spouse or single partner is actually really unfair especially if like you don't go to therapy or something and then mm-hmm. your spouse becomes your therapist those relationships tend to suck and they tend to go by the wayside but it's Mm -hmm. hey like you can have a therapist and then you can have your friends that like you go out and party with or you go do certain activities with and you i think it just creates a more whole and full life for you if you can actually create deeper relationships with a broader number of people yeah absolutely totally with you here this is i think that's the reason people have uh, lovers this is a, it's such a big taboo and so everybody judges that but at the same time it doesn't go anywhere <laughs> like people keep having lovers and they understand that it's against our moral beliefs and even people who don't like the idea of that they still cross this line because when they feel this attraction when they feel this activation because it's a in, in my work i work with tantra and sacred union and sexuality is a sacred energy. So we can't really ignore it. It's a very important part of uh, intimate relationship or romantic relationship. Otherwise, it, it will be friendship. It can be, of course, deep, beautiful, platonic friendship. But this is why people connect. They fall in love on this level. So this is a very important part. So the reason people have lovers is because they drain this beautiful attract- energy of attraction, electric charge and they believe that it will never we just assume it will not last we just think there is no way to keep it and just in the beginning and then they say oh why would you just want to have that but then we see that people want that even after five years of marriage and 10 years of marriage yeah they can get distracted they can feel overwhelmed with life but they most of the time when they get the lover (laughs) this is the opportunity to reactivate yourself and feel alive again because this is a life force but uh, the reason we it's all like taboo and something wrong with it because we don't know how to handle sexual energy there is a a universal law of reason that in this particular when we talk about the relationship container it needs to be 
like connect-disconnect dynamics. So to be able to sustain the energy between polarities, the feminine and masculine, and this strong electric energy, electromagnetic energy, right? We need to provide connect-disconnect dynamics. So it's not just connect-connect and suffocate and drain <laughs> and merge into something <laughs> that is not me or you or... Like, and then disconnect is this is when we disconnect, we need to completely disconnect from our partner. And this is the opportunity to reconnect with who we are and with ourselves and uh, kind of build that energy of I am. So when we come back to this connection with our partner, this is when we can feel this electricity again because we refill ourselves with our unique you know individual energy it's a uh, sexual and spiritual at the same time and this is uh, how you know energetic laws of the universe work so we forget about that and nobody is teaching that but this is obvious to me because i know some people have been in relationship for 10 years and if this even this law if it's if the relationship container is aligned with just this one law the energy is still there. People can still be really attracted to each other for 10 years. And even when they aren't, it's interesting because then there's a lot of couples where the marriage sort of just loses like the passion quotient, but then everything else might be fine. But then the problem is that because that mutual attraction starts to fade and oftentimes it's not totally mutual, it's just one partner is just loses attraction to the other for whatever reason, that then it starts to fray everything else because they're no longer getting their needs fulfilled and then the partner who's no longer attracted they just might feel that need doesn't exist and whether that's true or not like they at least feel that way but it's fascinating because i think our cultural conditioning leads us to ensure that those relationships are destroyed whereas mm -hmm. if we did have this more a la carte approach not just to legal benefits of marriage but to the actual marriage itself and we talk about okay you don't want your spouse to be your therapist go get a professional that'll help you a lot more mm -hmm. but then what if you get to a point where your spouse is no longer your lover mm -hmm. and when that first happens if everything else is still good to great why not just open the marriage and allow the two of you especially the spouse who like needs or is, is still attracted to the other and still needs that sexual fulfillment if you're to open the marriage and adopt a lover, then you're more likely, I would imagine, to maintain a healthy marriage and a healthy home environment. And to me, it's if that person is no longer attracted, if your spouse is no longer attracted to you, they shouldn't be jealous of like you fulfilling that need. And if they are, I think it is just social conditioning. It's just, mm -hmm. oh you shouldn't be with someone else and i'm staying married to you i'm clearly still here like i'm still invested in this relationship but if you're not invested in a part of it i need to go and get that investment fulfilled make that investment somewhere else and because then there's couples that maybe they're really great at co-parenting together or they're really mm -hmm. just they're just a really great team or it's like a power mm -hmm. couple or there's all sorts of dynamics upon which you could grade how well a couple is doing in their relationship and in areas that they aren't necessarily compatible or aren't doing well, we don't think anything of you starting a business with someone else. But that's an mm -hmm. in, that's an intimate relationship. But if <laughs> you start having sex with that person, oh, all of a sudden, like it's a moral crisis. Even though you more than likely will end up having a more intimate relationship 
with your business partner than you ever would with a lover, right? Because you literally could just be getting like physical satisfaction. Whereas you and a business partner, like you're going to go through some shit together, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're going to see the best and worst of each other just a spouse does and just like another intimate relationship does. But it's just fascinating how our social and cultural conditioning and a lot of just like the religious backdrop to our country just forces everyone into the thinking that oh, relationships just have to be one way and romantic relationships have to be all encompassing. And hey, it's great when you end up with someone who's like your best friend and your lover, but it might also, they might not be your best friend. Like they might be your lover and confidant and and partner, but you might have other best friends. You might have other Mm -hmm. intimate relationships that fulfill different needs. And we have hundreds, if not thousands of different needs and Mm -hmm. forcing a single person to take care of all of them is just absolutely insane but that's really what the institution of marriage does this is your person for the rest of your life for Mm -hmm. everything and i think that really harms a lot of marriages i think we'd have a much lower divorce rate if we didn't expect so much from marriage if we didn't expect so much of that other person and if we were able to find outlets for our needs through other people yeah yeah <laughs> you could be a relationship coach it sounds like you have a lot of fun i would i'd probably enjoy I it. Love it i yeah. love to help people so yeah. <laughs> yeah i can see that you you see these things behind this the walls of our conditioning this is true there is something that i've been working with one couple that they don't have that draw like they don't have the charge and they're not so attracted to each other anymore and we really explored this piece together because like the the whole idea that we are born into this culture we are born into this belief system and moral values right so we are born into this and then when we especially when people get married really young they don't really understand what they're doing and then they if you get married you have to give vows to the rest of your life you dedicate your life to this person you are together and and there is no way to know. I want to see somebody who know 100%. We don't know. This is a bit, it is some kind of a form of spiritual arrogance to believe that for sure. You don't know what you're going to become when you're 20. You don't know how you're going to feel when you're 40, when you're 60. You don't know. <laughs> if you really want to be authentic, you need to accept that. And this is the piece that I feel not quite aligned with authenticity. So when I work with this couple, we actually focused on compartmentalizing different like blocks of needs and areas of life right so if they have children together let's say they can commit to parent these children together and be a team even though they might change their relationship container and they might create different intimate relationship with somebody else at some point but what they commit to is parenting being great parents for these children and creating this perfect perfect like really great sealed container to be great parents and what it takes what kind of agreements we need to to create right how can we sustain this together so that would be so much easier to sustain and this can be so much more authentic because when you have kids you really love your kids you want to provide the great parent parenthood for them you want to provide both feminine masculine uh, mother figure and father figure so this is a very beautiful way to arrange this thing and then 
sexuality whatever attraction like you can't control this part so you have to allow this part to to flow if it changes so otherwise you will kind of live in self-deception denial or self-denial if you don't feel it you force yourself you don't feel it or you can navigate it in a way in a much better way than we do this is what i focus on working with people if you if this is something very important for some people it is important then we need to navigate it completely differently than we navigate it in our traditional marriage container it is possible as i mentioned it's possible to sustain this passion with the same person especially if it's a really strong connection it has to be it has to be more like on the heart level and on the sexual level so these two pieces have to be there to be able to create a long-term container for that but it is possible as well so i like to really compartmentalize and create these containers separate from each other so parenthood is not linked to sexuality right or finances are not linked to sexuality they can be linked to parenthood because we need money to support our children but only for that not for anything else so it's like when you compartmentalize and make this container stand on their own and only build bridges what i needed to be there it's so much easier to navigate oh i totally agree the ability to compartmentalize in general is, is so hugely important you raised so many great points there and it is so difficult going through divorce and especially with children where it's if you didn't have children you could just never see the person again or just have whatever relationship with that person that you do want and go your separate ways or whatever but with children it's like nope you're you're going to co-parent and especially if you didn't necessarily have the same parenting styles it just exacerbates things now because now the children are living in two different worlds but I think the most important thing is the energy that you bring to it. Because a lot of times as couples, as things are falling apart and people are getting divorced, it starts to often become like a sort of toxic environment. And when you're exposing children to that, it's they can feel that, they can perceive it. Mm -hmm. every, pretty much every child, unless they're like a budding sociopath, like every child is an empath, they can feel that energy. They mm -hmm. know it doesn't matter what kind of face you put on, like they can feel it, they know things are falling apart they know things are going bad they know the parents are upset or whatever's happening but they know all those dynamics and no matter how well you try and spin it it's still going to be a traumatic event especially the longer that you may you know remain at odds with your co-parent and i think that's why it's so important to whether it's being in like co-parenting therapy or otherwise like developing ways to develop strategies to ensure that your children have the most positive experience and the road to hell is paved with good intentions and a lot of things you think will work are not going to or they're going to be like oh yeah this is not turning out like how i wanted it to even though i totally did this from a good place but then it's important to be able to have the awareness to recognize those things and then adjust course. And then kids are incredibly resilient, both physically, mentally, emotionally. And so they'll get through it. It can take a while. And sometimes like kids will need therapy as well. But being able to work a work with them and work with your co-parent to create a positive environment, I think is the, the biggest gift that you can give your children if you've gotten divorced. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, it doesn't need to, the divorce is, the reason the divorce is traumatic is because of our beliefs about marriage. Because when we give vows, we think it's going to be forever and then divorce shows up and there's no, actually, it's like a failure. That's why it's traumatic. I wrote an article about it and 
Thrive Global, I think, an authority magazine, they should have liked it because it's not just the d divorce. It's not just about divorce. It's also beliefs about marriage. Why do we jump ahead <laughs> of what we even know about ourselves and our relationship and commit to something that we don't know instead of what we were talking about compartmentalizing creating our own agreements like leaving so certain things open because we don't know and like i actually went through divorce myself and it was not like it was not very painful except the paperwork that i had to do <laughs> and it's six months to wait whatever but it was not as bad as most people experience it because i felt that I want to be free. For me, it is important to be free no matter whether I'm married or not, in a relationship or single, it doesn't matter. I want to feel freedom. I want to have that feeling that I am a free individual, an autonomous being, that I'm not doing something against my will just because people believe I have to, to do this way or because marriage requires that. Children are very sensitive to parents' energy. If parents are happy, they can feel it and it's very important some people like believe that they have to sacrifice their happiness for their children but this is what actually the most traumatic for children because they they are empathetic you're right so they pick up that energy that the parent one parent or both parents are miserable in their life and they're doing it for them <laughs> so that actually creates a trauma that they feel responsible you know, because before the age of seven, a child can't really choose what they take in, what they don't have any boundaries, like they have a sponge. So they take this like as a responsibility for their parents. And if they hear that they sacrificed their life and happiness for them, they don't feel good about it. It creates trauma. Like it's a, like thing, a big thing. So it's not just that we have to sacrifice what we want, how we want to live our life and our freedom for our children. We have to, it's our responsibility to be happy individual and free individual and grow the way it feels right for, for us and alignment for us so we can role model it for them. Oh, I totally agree. I just think there's... The, there's the things that before children have even really become like culturally conditioned to that are just going to affect them just from a logistical point of view even. So because I was going through divorce, we would tell our kids like, hey, now you're going to get to have two houses. Like we would just try and spin mm -hmm. it in the most positive possible way. And all along the way, while we were still living together, but telling that story, like the kids are like, cool, awesome. But like the night I actually moved out, it was like breaking of what a four year old's heart it was just like, mm. you could just see him just like it crushing him didn't want mommy and daddy to live apart and stuff. And that's incredibly difficult and incredibly difficult to like manage. And they're incredibly resilient. And they we've got joint custody. And so they see us all on a regular basis and live at both of our houses and do all that. And a year on now, they're definitely doing like a lot better but it's still it's still incredibly hard to like prevent just that that rupture in their mm -hmm. world especially when kids are young because they you can't like talk to them fully rationally like an adult about it and so you're putting all these different frameworks on it to try and help them understand and obviously impress upon them that it has nothing to do with them it's not their fault and those kinds of things but at the same time they're just kind of like why like why do we have to do this and at a certain point you're just like 
Sorry. There's just not much to say. But obviously, like kids develop their own coping mechanisms. And that's why they say, are you are you funny? Or are your parents still happily married? It's like kids of divorced homes or kids that like grew up in trauma, they develop coping mechanisms to like make people laugh and do other things like that, that they turn out a little bit differently. And it is fascinating to see how kids automatically like adapt coping mechanisms to address their parents different issues regardless of if the parents ever get divorced or not if you're a sad person or you're depressed or something like a kid is usually going to try and make you laugh a lot or they're going to try and reach out to you in different ways and so it's really fascinating to see like how sophisticated those mechanisms could be in children like from the very beginning yeah yeah absolutely yeah we can't prevent certain level of trauma (laughs) just living in this society of double standards (laughs) will really expose ourselves and our children to these experiences so we can't some parents like really worry about that we have to go in the most authentic way this is my very deep belief yes sometimes it can be very painful for children especially if you like role modeled this perfect family before and you lived together and there was a mother and father there, there there was a certain model that they experienced of how it works and suddenly everything changes and they don't understand why it needs to change and like it's yeah it can be heartbreaking however i do believe it's still the best way to go in the most authentic way what is the truth for us and how we can of course take care of the children while going through that but living together with somebody that you can't live together <laughs> organically really it's going to be more traumatic for children and uh, now these days I, I believe society is evolving uh, step by step <laughs> like they provide this at least basic education for people of how to get di- divorced with children and how to take care of children and how to sustain the relationship from both sides so children feel it's it's not there are no like hidden games behind it you know because there can be a lot of money manip- like some people like who don't have any you know education of basic psychology they can still use children as a tool of manipulation this is not acceptable at all so we can do our best under these circumstances that we have in our society in this in this belief system and just bring our wisdom and authenticity we can still when our children grow up like they they will still find something that we didn't do quite right (laughs) i'm sure but it is better than previous generations we're evolving slowly and we can admit like that yes we didn't do it quite well but maybe in your life you will do it better for your children so this is how it works oh i totally agree and i think one of the best things that i've seen like in my lifetime is the slow death of the concept of staying together for the kids that's where you really fuck up kids because you keep especially if it's a really toxic environment with you and and your partner or spouse if you're just like oh we got to stay together for the kids you're just continuing to subject them to a toxic environment for years if not decades and that's going to be so much worse for them whereas if the parents can go their separate ways, find their own independent happiness, whether that's with other people or just by themselves. Like when the parents find happiness, it's so much easier to raise happy kids because like you said, like they're just little empathic sponges and they're just going to reflect what they're seeing. And if you're anxious and uptight and miserable all the time, like they're just going to be the same way. But if you can find your own inner peace and happiness and stuff like that's, they just receive it through osmosis effectively. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is true. 
So Lana, I'd love to know how has a failure or apparent failure helped you overcome something in your life? And do you have a favorite failure? <laughs> failure. <laughs> I actually, this is not my word, actually. Like I don't really use it that much. There, I, there are mistakes. Uh, I don't see them the, as a failure because I learn from them. I don't, mm -hmm. I, at least I try not to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Sometimes I do everybody else. You have your own, you know, learning path. But yeah, the, the, let me use the word, the word mistakes. Uh, when it comes to, when it comes to my relationships that I had before, I wouldn't change much because I believe I needed to walk that path. And there was, when I look back now, I see why things happen that way. Not everything is so rigid in life the way we see it in American dream. Like, <laughs> all happens is like you grow up, you graduate from high school, from college, you meet somebody, you get married, you get career. It's, it doesn't work that way. There is a very complex pathway of our growth on all levels, like physical, emotional, mental and spiritual and for my spiritual path for my finding my soul purpose living in the line in the highest al alignment with myself living discovering my potential i had to go through all of those things and the, some of them they're the really hard things like i would say divorce was not the hardest thing for me in my life the hardest thing was like losing my best friend to suicide when i was right there so that was like even but even that after like doing lots of healing work and, and that was also relationship right like the heartbreak after that situation I, even that i see is a tremendous opportunity tremendous lesson of growth wow i wouldn't be able to understand on energetic level on emotional level what people go through uh when they go in this darkness and it, it actually expands my service work i can help more people and i can relate to more people on a very deep energetic level, not just on the mental level, not because I have a degree this on that, but because I know how it feels. So that's how I see whatever failure or mistakes or something that we would never sign up for. When we look back, we see the value of that experience. Totally. Lana, this has been a fascinating and enlightening conversation. I feel like I could keep talking to you for hours, but it does bring me to my final question of the day. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Wow. <laughs> Let me just feel it. What is the kindest thing? Oh. <laughs> this is a difficult question because there are so many great things people did for me. Hmm. I would say when somebody just could hold space for me, just allowed me to be emotional and cry and be a mess and be disoriented. And somebody who was there for me through the darkest time and didn't try to fix anything, didn't try to make me feel better, just was there with me in that space and just allowing me to feel and process and release and just being you know, energetic, like the full presence, right? Physical, emotional, mental mm. and spiritual like somebody who was like i've got you here let it out like no matter how much time much time it takes like i'm here for you to provide that kind of experience that was probably the kindest and the most beautiful gift 
that I think we all need that. I think we would we could prevent prevent like suicides by providing this presence on this level. Mm. Powerful. Yeah, I had a guy a few weeks back, and he one of his I think it was a quote he had, or he said he would put it on a billboard. But then he also said the kindest thing anyone had ever done for him was that his wife had listened him into existence. I thought that was really mm. powerful. Yeah. Wow. Well, absolutely, I could feel it. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Lana, thank you again so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure getting to speak with you. Yeah, mutually, Pacifico. I really enjoy the conversation. And you have some great insights there. <laughs> Lots of wisdom to share with the world. <laughs> so oh, keep thank doing you. Great you're, work. <laughs> oh, you're too kind. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. So today's episode was brought to you by Prosperitas, specializing in making stunning videos to help you win more customers and look your best online. Visit prosperitasagency.com today to learn how they create unforgettable videos for unforgettable companies. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast, or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high-quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash theluepodcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness. Mm -hmm.